Welcome in, welcome in, welcome once again to the newest edition of Three In, Three Out, the most unique Seahawks podcast in the multiverse. I'm your host, Clinton Bonner. Find me out on Twitter at Clinton Bonn. And I am joined by the one, the only, the great Brandon Schultz. And find him out on Twitter at Seahawkers Pod. And of course, if you're watching this live on YouTube, then you got to hit the like, you got to hit the subscribe, the bell, the whole thing already, the trifecta overture, because Brandon, the YouTube subscribers, it is growing like weeds, but what's what's like a weed you want to grow? Like flowers? Growing like flowers? Yeah, maybe the opposite. Flowers, technically not a weed, but uh, yeah, so growing, growing like a beautiful garden of flowers. There it is, a, a wondrous bouquet of, of new subscribers, and this week, for this three and three out, we're going to be talking about, we have, you know, we like, we like numerology on three and three out. We're going to be talking about our top three picks. And you had some wonderful guests recently on the, on the Seahawkers pod. You had uh, Rob Staten come on. You end up talking with EJ Snyder of Boot Like Football, who really knows this stuff too. And then there's us. Then there's the other guys, Brandon. We're going to give our takes too. We're going to look at the top three. And, bef- and also, we, you know, we tweeted out, we put onto the Seahawkers pod ring of honor. We put it into the discord, all the different ways that people could find out, you know, that, Hey, we're also kind of flock sourcing this thing and finding out from the brethren out there, what you think, because frankly, when it comes to this stuff, your guests and your, your takes are definitely going to be as good as mine. So Brandon, I did want to, you know, I think, listen, we'll, we'll talk about the whole, the whole potpourri of 94041. What should we do? What will we do? All that. And we'll definitely dive into some of the takes from that came to, that came to us uh, via those methods. Yeah, I definitely want to hear what other people have to say about where they think the team should go. Some of the players that they're looking at and especially with the Seahawks having a pick in the top 10, which we know they'll trade out of and get more <laughs> picks and, and not draft in the top 10. But having someone in the top 10, it, it puts us in the position to where we actually may have have heard of one of these guys that they ultimately select. I want to make a very cogent, I hope, and strong case, number one, that we should be keeping the number nine pick. And in general, I want to make the case in this particular podcast, I want to make the case for going defense, defense, defense. And I I want to... Well, I'm, I'm, that's foreshadowing, as they call it, Brandon. But but certainly in in the top the top you know that top nine pick, um, I think there's a so there's a couple of reasons there for me. But I also want to make the case for why, in my opinion, let's stick with number nine for a bit. Why the first pick I feel like really ought to be edge if the right guy is there, if the right dude is remaining at edge. And I have a, a litany of of things here, like my I would call it my argument for edge. My first thing is. I want to give a dude like Clint Hurt all the toys, the things he thinks he needs, you know, to, to be a very successful defensive coordinator. And I look at that and I'm like, well, man, I'd rather we kind of go really throttle in. If I had to take a pulse of who's got a better, you know, what's the better side of the ball right now, offense or defense? I think it's, you know, I, I'm going to say defense. Like the, the, the scales of justice, I think, are falling towards defense for me right now. How about for you? If it's a pulse check, better side of the ball, offense or defense, as as the current roster stands, what do you think it is? Based on my thinking so far, I, I've been leaning defense for a while, just especially with, it, it does seem defensive heavy, uh, apart from, you know, I would say tackle, but I don't think a tackle who is top 10 worthy is probably going to be there at number nine. I'm actually leaning cornerback, as, as strange as it Ooh. might seem. 
because it's not a position. Well, in fact, you know, as far as my draft expertise goes, I know that the Seahawks have not drafted corner in the first two rounds in Pete Carroll's tenure. Right. They've been able to find guys to develop, and that's worked out for them pretty well. When you talk about Shaquille Griffin and Richard Sherman and other guys that they've been able to go out and find. But I think this might be the year that if one of the top two guys is there at number nine, that you go ahead and you make that move. It's very intriguing, right? So we're talking, we're talking sauce from, uh, from Cincinnati and we're talking Stingley from, from, from LSU. Right. And a couple of years ago, even Stingley was like, Oh, top three, he's the shutdown corner kind of flip flops with sauce. And it's always funny where people could like, Oh, well, Stingley took a step back. Well, the whole team, you know, he was on one of the, one of the best college football teams in recent memory whole team took a bit of a step back, right? So these these things happen, and Stingley is still... Pop quiz, yeah. Clinton. Sure, what do we got? Sauce Gardner, out of Cincinnati. Yes, what correct. Is, what is his actual first name? It is... Uh, it's not Sauce. Hold on, hold on. Um, and my notes still have it as Sauce. Nope, that's <laughs> it. I got Sauce. <laughs> it's Ahmad. Ahmad Gardner. Ahmad. Yeah, name. Derek Stingley Jr. out of LSU. Those are your top yeah. two guys at corner that everybody's talking about. Whether or not one of them falls to number nine, I'm not sure. I think Stingley is going to. Uh, maybe. He had a phenomenal pro day, though, right? He comes out and runs like a 4-3-7, and then everybody's seal clapping once again that, oh, we, you know, he, he was sliding. He's sliding no more. But, you know, I, I do want to make the argument here for going down that list of, like, my argument for edge, right? One of the things I had is I love the cornerback um, prospects. I think both of them are likely, you know, straightaway starters in the NFL. And obviously we have some, you know, we got Trey, we got some question marks, Trey Brown coming back. We, you know, we we have new new guys signed that we don't know how they're going to be, but I have so much trust that we'll figure that out, especially with, we're going to, we want to play more press. We have a great, I I think a great uh, safety duo already. So I think it's okay to say we will figure things out with with cornerback. My last argument for edge is that when you can maybe go get a dude like what? How much excitement would it be for a team that's kind of in this rebuild to get a kind of Micah Parsons type? Yeah. Like what happens to this team if we get that freak dude who is constantly disrupting things and like oh he plays linebacker yeah. The Cowboys play like this 4-2 base where basically he just, you know, it, go get the quarterback and go set the edge. And Micah Parsons is very good at those two things. So folks out there probably are hearing the breadcrumbs. I am all in on Jermaine Johnson of F- FSU. I just, I hope he falls and that the type of athlete he is, Brandon, I just want that dude that I think could be the Micah Parsons of 2022. And I think if you pass up on him, and, you know, he goes 10 or he goes 11 or goes 12 and you see him doing Micah Parson things. It's going to be Creed Humphrey, but only like, you know, like three times as, as more sick because you don't get that kind of you don't get those pangs over a center typically. But you see a dude racking up 13 sacks or something like that in his rookie year. It's going to be hard to be like, how do we pass up on that guy? So Jermaine Johnson's the guy I really want at number nine. So how about so would you be? intrigued by that would you be cool with that what's your what's your take on on jermaine well jermaine was one of the guys that uh well that rob said that if he's there at number nine yes that's the guy that you take for the seahawks looking at pro football focus they actually have him ranked uh as the sixth best 
edge defender in their eyes down at 26. I think Johnson was one of the guys that actually showed up at the senior bowl. That's something that the Seahawks traditionally like. Yeah. And he just, he, he dominated, you know, I heard EJ and Rob talk about that, that he, it was like, you know, uh, man amongst boys type thing. Like nobody could, could touch him in, in the senior bowl week. So all the one-on-one drills, et cetera, et cetera. So, and the Seahawks do, you're right. They, they like, they love seeing that face-to-face competition and, and, yeah, and do gravitate towards and draft out of that pool quite a bit for sure. 6'5", 254 pounds. Uh, he's actually gone from, he went from two sacks in 2019, four sacks in 2020, 14 sacks last year, nine tackles for a loss. Uh, looking at some of the cons from PFF, they say he has uh, he's an average athlete by NFL standards, which, you know, average at NFL standards, I, I feel like is still a freak athlete. I, I don't I don't see that as a con necessarily. No, I, I but but you know, then, then the metrics freaks, right, are going to say, well, but that you don't take a dude like that in the top 10, right? right. You have to have right. the the elite things that that pop off. But I thought his I, I thought his measurables are actually what besides the tape, I thought his measurables were what got like Rob Staten so, you know, so much in a tizzy that he did pop off at, at either his pro day or the combine day. And the other dude we mentioned at the top too, EJ, EJ Snyder, when they they did a pod recently that was really good, it was like their all ceiling team, which is really cool. So right. they, did, they did a series lately that was like the other guys it was like, if you can't get Jermaine Johnson, you know, or, or, you know, Trayvon, Trayvon Walker, Here's like, you know, the five, six, seven, eighth, and 10th best edge dudes to go to go look at stuff like that. Then they did the all ceiling team. And EJ also was like, yeah, this dude's ceiling is, you know, perennial pro bowl, all pro. So, and I realized, Hey, that's ceiling. They're, they're going to really take it to, to the, to the limit there. So I, ca- I could kind of take the PFF stuff and probably scooch it to the side and say, these, these guys do know what they're talking about. Um, and then I got my, my, I'm going to Florida in two days and my cousin down there, a big FSU guy, I was like, I you know, just texted him. Like, what do you think of Jermaine Johnson? And he wrote back beast. Well, and, uh, if you want to check out a game of where you're really going to get excited about him, check out his 2021 game against Miami. I'm, I'm looking forward to checking more of him out, especially as we near the draft. And I'm going to be talking to EJ probably a little bit later this week to, yeah, get some more intel from him on this. Very nice. Yeah, I'm excited about that. And yeah, EJ and, and the Bootleg Football Podcast has become one of my favorites, actually. They, they're longer form. You know, they'll get on for like an hour and a half, two hours and really dive into stuff. And I, I kind of like the fact that this is kind of their season. Now, the, dude, the dude's a Bears fan, right? Lives in Seattle. He's a big Bears fan. Um, so, you know, bless his heart. That that, that ain't easy, right? Because the Bears have been terrible. Um, so he really kind of gets revved up for this being his season. So I always appreciate uh, those those types of minds because they put so much time and effort into parsing this stuff that, man, I'd say three, four, five years ago, I would roll into draft night and maybe know like five dudes. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe 10. And then I would read an article about who Seattle might take late. <laughs> and, and then we would trade out the first round anyway, right? So, um, and that was it. That was it. So we, we put out the feelers to the flock. I know you got some takes queued up. Do you want to go to Jason's uh, first and foremost? Yep. It uh, And Jason had number nine. He had Sauce Gardner there. Kayvon Thibodeau is another player he liked. And then Evan Neal. 
And I think Jason's recognizing that three guys that I believe have been talked about as potential top 10 players maybe won't be there at uh, yeah. 9, 40, and 41. But uh, it gives us three names to talk about with these first yeah, three picks. Yeah. I like that, you know, the the Sauce Gardner at nine is probably the, well, Thibodeau might fall because of, you know, whatever challenges he might have. I don't think he's going to. I think the Jets or the Giants, somebody would be like, I don't really care about the quote unquote off the field stuff and just look at the talent. But Jason went, you know, he just said, hey, you didn't tell me I have to live in the world of reality. <laughs> you just said these are my top three. So so there you go. Uh, Evan Neal is probably going to be absorbed by the Texans or something like that, right? But at the, the three pick. But that's okay. We, we appreciate that. But he does agree with you that he likes he likes sauce at number nine, which, by the way, I didn't actually I don't think you actually answered. Are you, are you sauce or stingly? Do you have a a preference there? I, I think if I had a preference, I would go with Gardner, who was it in the comments here that pointed out the fact that he had not allowed a touchdown in college. But yes, that also makes it so probably not going to be there at number nine. Yeah, there's yeah. Yeah, there's some rumors that he's you know creeping up to the top five, maybe maybe the sixth spot there. Uh, but you never know. You just don't know who's you just yeah, really. Yeah, you don't you don't know who's going to fall. You don't know if New Orleans is going to take and package the, the two first first they have now to try to get into the top 10 to come grab Malik Willis, if that's the guy they really want. So, you know, you kind of feel like there's going to be there's the there's the best laid plans. And then there's it's the draft. And you don't know, you don't know, Clinton, if they will move up. The Seahawks could package some picks together and move up into the top five. They could. I wouldn't want that. I wouldn't want that. I, I, I love I, if if they did anything, I wouldn't mind trading out of nine if if uh, Johnson wasn't there and, you know, trading back a little bit and then kind of re- rethinking it and getting four picks in the top 41 because the, the pool is supposed to be quite good. So we're in the pool now with, with Ryan Peterson. He's, he has the, the take of, I don't even care. I want them to take the best available player at a position of need. And then unfortunately for our team right now, he happens to list off positions of need, O-line, cornerback, defensive line, and QB. I mean, defensive line, depending on how you look at defensive line in a three, four, et cetera, et cetera. I think we need edge help. But again, that's more like that, that, you know, that a hybrid linebacker type of guy like Nuosu that we just got or, or Jermaine Johnson. I think they could use a defensive interior guy if they're looking for someone who can provide some sort of pass rush too. It's just not something that they've had typically. Yes, and I, I think the defensive line, you know, the, the the real core of it, the up the middle guys, is really good. And so what? Right. Like that's like rotational. Like, and can we generate more pressure from those guys? You know, like you know how much I love Al Woods. I really love Puna Ford. Monet's. Uh, playing pretty darn good. We got Shelby Jackson, right? That's his last name. I just been calling him Shelby for a couple of weeks. Um, but we got we got Shelby from Denver. Like it's a nice rotation. However, who's going to actually go get? You know, who's going to be there to be that disruptor? And I see I see uh, Tim there with the the Jordan Davis uh, take. Now Jordan Davis like jumped off as like the the freak athlete, like you know, incredible. The dude the dude's huge and, and ended up running like. What did he run? Like under a four? I want to say under a four or five. Like he ran like a four. I think it was like a four, four, seven. And the dude is gigantic. So <laughs> 340 num- pounds. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So insane numbers. But, but, I, you know, without giving away that my pick there, like 40, 41, I think, yeah, you may be able to go get that freak Jordan Davis at nine. He'll probably be there. But what if we went edge 
you know, we're talking about Jermaine Johnson or someone like that edge and could still get somebody that might be just as good as Jordan Davis. So again, a, a little foreshadowing for me, but I'm with you, Brandon. You, that, you might be thinking fair. of somebody else on the interior too. I think his 40 was uh four, seven, eight, but still uh, under oh, okay. a four, eight, or, 40 for a dude that big is, is that's also what it was. Four, four, eight was the threshold. Yeah. That was like insanely good for that, for that size. Yeah. So not quite a, not quite four or five, but still amazing, amazing stuff. All right. So why don't we roll on to the, into the, to the next one after Ryan there, we should have Aaron Fisher. He wants Icky Woods with the ninth pick, Brandon, which <laughs> I think I he mean, may it, be available, although I think it would be free agency. I think he, he was already drafted once. And so, yeah. Yeah. How does that work if you've retired for 20 something years and he's still alive, right? He, I think he was like doing the shuffle in the in the Super Bowl, the NFC championship or the AFC championship. I think Icky Woods was flipping coins and stuff like that. Right. So he was, he was there recently, which is which is quite good. Of course, he is talking about Ikim Aquanu out of NC State, uh, the tackle. So that I, I, it's not Icky Woods, but I think we'll all be doing the Icky shuffle if uh, if the Seahawks get one of the top tackles here at number nine. Yeah. I don't think he, and, and do you see the professionalism where I made sure you had to pronounce, you know, Iquanu's uh, whole name there? See how I did that? It's pretty, pretty nice. Um, I don't think he's going to be there at nine, but again, this wasn't an exercise in, in, you know, not having some reaches there, right? Um, but from everything I, I can understand from the dudes that I have been listening to, that this guy is an in, in really insane athlete where they would do lots of, where they would pull in, in the NC state system, right? That's what it was, right? That they would do lots of pulling of the tackles and not just, you know, but cross formation and not just like kickouts to the left, not just like a sweep left, you know, Walter Jones student body left to Alexander, but literally cross formation pulling of tackles because the guy's athleticism is just that high. So where there's lots of other tackles that are being talked about, they're like, eh, might not be as athletic. Maybe he has to have to kick into guard with Iquanu. It's like, nope, this dude's a surefire athletic tackle. Uh, and if he falls, I'm okay deviating from the defense, defense, defense system and getting an edge. If an offensive tackle of that caliber falls, I just, I just don't think he's gonna. PFF called him the single most dominant run blocking tackle in the country. So if you don't think that that sounds good to Pete Carroll and, uh, and the offensive staff in Seattle, I don't think that they would allow him to to slip by him if he does fall to nine. Yeah, and you know, just to continue with Aaron's uh, philosophy here too, he's looking to say, hey, then trade you know trade back into the first round if we can, some combo with a forty and forty one, and then there he's looking to target, uh, you know, potentially he's really looking to say, hey, with those with those three that combination, could we could we also get our maybe get our QB of the future. He's throwing out a couple names there as well. You know, Matt, uh, Corral. Uh, it's Corral, not Coral, right? I think right. it's Corral. Corral yep. Um, yep. And, and, you know, Will, I don't think Will is going to be there, but but maybe Corral's there. Maybe Howe is there. Uh, maybe Ritter is there at that point. And for me, I'm going to like, if if we take a QB with the first three or four picks that we have, I'm just going to like trust that, that, that Schneider and Pete know what they're looking for. I don't really have a dog in that race, except for, Malik Willis might be, you know, amazing. He might be the man, but I also don't think we should take him with the nine spot. Do you have a particular, you know, QB that you've been gravitating more, you know, more towards or away from? Not, uh, not necessarily anyone in particular, just because I think, I think there just are so many more important needs that I just don't suspect they'll take quarterback with any of their first three picks, but they may surprise us. 
They may, they may. So why don't, why don't we, but, but before we go to Josh Duhuman, who's been, who's been amazing uh, as it's on screen, why don't we go park about like what maybe our 40th pick would be there. So 40 or 41, but let's say our second pick. So, all right, you got your wish, you got sauced and maybe not that, maybe you got Stingley, but you got your, you got your cornerback of the future or DBs are looking mighty fine. Where Brandon, where are you focusing on for pick number two or 40th pick? What do you, what are you hoping we rein in? Oh, well, I, I do think that if we go corner early, then this it would have to be an edge position and uh, and maybe even 41, too. And if you're looking at dudes in that area, um, there's just a lot of guys that could potentially be there. So I, I don't know if I have anybody that I have specifically targeted, but th- just knowing that there are a lot of edge players that have that potential of being there at 40, 41, even just looking at the. The rankings, uh, you know, Mafe out of Minnesota is yep, edge. Yep. Uh, Benito out of Oklahoma. The Penn State dude, Arnold. Uh, we'll just call him Arnold. Yeah. Uh, well, I'm going I'm to say you're kind of Mamo Cleoing, you know, into my mind here when you said, hey, maybe 40-41, we go edge-edge. Because it's deep. The, the dude that I had second was, I think it's uh, Ibiketti, right? Or Ibiketti. Uh, but that, that guy, Arnold, I think it's I think it's yeah, Ibiketti, something like that. Ibiketti, yeah. yeah, from Penn State. And I am 100% okay with going edge edge. And the reason being is it goes back to like the, the philosophy of, well, number one, if you get two very good ones or very good to great ones, well, friggin' cool. You got Taylor, you got Nuosu, figure it out. It's like having too much pitching in baseball. You're running a three, four, you want athleticism out there, figure it out. Go, go disrupt and go create madness out there. And then if you do, Whiff on one or one's just not, you know, not a, a outstanding edge guy. I kind of feel like you just doubled your chances of getting an outstanding edge guy. That's a okay. That, that there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. And as uh, EJ Snyder would say, like Penn State's like a, a freak factory. Like they just create freak, freak athletes out there. And uh, Ibiketti is certainly among that as well. So that's where I would go as well. I'd love to see us go edge, edge. I know 41's right after, but let's, let's, let's save it for a bit. Got to give the love to uh, Josh DeHuman. This guy, by the way, great follow out on Twitter. If you like seeing mock drafts, Josh has been like every day he's putting out one or two um, and he's real, real active out there. And he's, he's in the, he's in our, he's in the discord. Yeah. I think he's in, I think he's in the ring of honor. I'm pretty sure. But either way, Josh is a great follow. You see him on screen there. Trayvon Walker is one of his picks at number nine. And Walker's actually a guy. It seems like, gosh, I've heard him talked about even potentially going up to number one or two just because of his freak athleticism. He's one of those guys that everybody loves based off his relative athletic score that everybody's going off of with him being so athletic. A lot of people really liking him. And so, gosh, it's guys like that, though, that you never know if they're going to they'll be available at nine or somebody's going to snatch them up early. Yeah, I mean, the T. Lee seem to say like he might be the the Lions pick, right? Like that's if if Aiden Hutchinson goes first to the Jags, then the Lions are looking at Walker and just being like, again, elite athleticism, amazing, amazing pedigree and team that he played on there. And I, I doubt he'll be there at nine, but if he is, welcome to the Seattle Seahawks. We you know you you run the you run the uh, the the card up at that point. Then he's talking about Abraham Lucas, uh, which is you know tackle depth and Abraham Lucas is a big tackle from Washington state, which I, you know, I kind of find fun because a lot of, a lot of the folks who are on the West coast will, you know, pick out dudes who are Cougars and pick out dudes who are, you know, UW Huskies and stuff like that. And I'm, 
besides being good players and, and Josh is following along and really forming his own opinions, but probably just exposure, like getting to see dudes like that more often, which, which I think is real cool. And then he's got, also got Kyler Gordon speaking in the Pacific Northwest, you know, a really rangy quarterback from, from uh, university of Washington also. So that's, Hey, you know, if you can get, if you can get an, an amazing athlete on, on the defensive line, go get a tackle that might be your starting tackle of the future and then go get cornerback help. Um, maybe that's a real nice combination too, and just a different way than you were slicing it earlier with going cornerback number one, Brandon. Yeah. And I really don't care necessarily what order they go in. I do think that those are the three areas that you really need to go after. And yeah, Lucas pass heavy offense, uh, obviously mm. they've, well, I mean, I guess we did see them take, um, stone Forsyth, who was primarily a, a pass blocker in college. And so. That may not be a uh, necessarily something that would totally rule out Lucas Kyler Gordon. I like the fact that he's you know played outside, played some slot, so that that could work out for them well too. Yeah, and you know, let's not forget we have we have Justin Coleman back, baby. Justin Coleman <laughs> is back, and he's he's our slot guy. But not to say you don't draft another one for sure. Um, so we get we're getting asked here by by Clayton Russell asking uh, was sacrilegiously asking if uh, DK gets traded. What do you do there? So what I want you to do, Brendan, is hop on down to um, in the slides there. Hop on down to Jonathan Stein's draft because this would be I think pretty similar um, because the dude that he has number one, which is uh, Bernard Raymond. The so Seahawks don't have the, a huge history of going to small schools early. It's, it's something they just they don't typically do. But you got a tackle from Central Michigan where if they went edge with the nine pick, let's say Cross is there, but they're like, nope, they went edge like I would like them to. No, I don't want them to trade DK Metcalf. I think it's just not 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 necessary for this rebuild. But this is the guy that I don't, again, I, I don't, I can't sit here and profess like, oh, I grinded this tape. No, I, but I've heard, you know, EJ and others talk about him as being like, hey, this guy has just legit solid NFL beyond potential could be a really, really strong tackle. So if you're, you know, you trade in DK, I think 16 is actually pretty high for Raymond from where, where I've seen projections. He could easily slide back into the twenties where, where the Packers are, the late twenties of the Packers are. So that'd be a dude to answer, uh, answer you Clayton. That'd be a guy that if we went defense early and had that extra pick, Hey, I love getting the, a fifth year option on a what could be a, you know, a franchise level tackle that feels like a pretty good place to when you have two first rounders one you could take more of a chance on from a small school so good way to answer that uh for me at least and then brandon as you're looking at jonathan's um run here he traded back so he gets a fourth pick right. and you can kind of see what he did with it what are you thinking about the way he's uh he shared the wealth with the four picks well you end up being able to address uh, multiple areas there and i think that's the reason why we see or why I think we can expect the Seahawks to trade out of that number nine pick, because yeah, then you're still drafting right around the top 15 and then you have three pick or you have three more picks that are in the top 50. So four picks in the top 50 overall with the, the depth of this draft. I, I think that that is going to make a lot of sense for this team. So I can't really argue with, with any of these picks. No, they're all, they're all, and again, this is just me absorbing what I hear out there, watching a little bit of film, but these are names that you hear constantly thrown around in the top 50 as like, these guys can play flat out. Like Nick Benito, you mentioned him earlier, not only being a boomer sooner there, but another dude that maybe, maybe not, not on the, you know, uh, Jermaine Johnson level, maybe, but 
but maybe, but, but he's, he's extremely fast, extremely, extremely quick player out there from what, from what I understand. And maybe he is, maybe, maybe he can be that 10 plus sack guy, 12 plus sack guy. The thing, again, I'll go back to Jermaine Johnson that I keep hearing about him is like, yeah, he got the 14 sacks and the dude's amazing at setting the edge against the rush. Like it's, he's not, he's not some one trick pony. It's like, no, that dude could be out there all three downs. He's not a rotational piece you have to bring in there. He's legit, you know, pro bowl potential out of the gate. Um, and again, I just keep saying it. If we get a chance to get a Micah Parsons, how fun will that be? We have, like, we could roll the dice a bit more this year because, um, you know, the, the expectations of, of even sniffing the playoffs are really low right now, which is that's fine. We've been in the playoffs, you know, almost 10 years in a row, basically missed. We missed one year because of bad, bad field goal kicking. Right. So that's, that's okay. So I'd love to see us take, take a few more chances. Why don't you, when I talk about our, our third pick, I'll take it, I'll take it away. I said, defense, 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 you foreshadowed and said, you know, Hey, even though we already have a good uh, defensive tackle, you know, uh, just lineup with dudes. Well, what about getting guys that maybe can disrupt a bit too? So I'm going to go to my alma mater and say UConn with Travis Jones. And if you look at Travis Jones's size and look at his look at his numbers at the combine, and he, you know, UConn's a bad football team, bad, bad, bad. I mean, I got neighbors. They're like, "Oh, dude, you want to go to the UConn football game?" I'm like, "Nope." <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't. It's freezing and they stink, right? And with that, you got you got Travis Jones, who's their defensive tackle, that. Go watch him play really, really strong uh, caliber teams because UConn plays some great competition and not just hold his own, but blow people away. And like his 40 time, everybody's going, you know, going bonkers over Jordan Davis. And his 40 time was like, like a smidgen, smidgen less, like just, just incrementally less on the 40. So we're talking about very much so a same kind of athlete of a guy that is storming up the uh up the up the board here and travis jones is just the guy that's just holy crap could you get that he's not as big as vince vince wolfwork but can you get that dude in the middle that is not only a run stuffer but can really we call that we, we always talk about that crumple zone right the old volvo commercials the whole thing crumples in the dummy's fine can we that get that kind of big body that just crumples that pocket and you get athletes around him in a three four you could start to cause havoc, and that's what I think we need to do. So, Brandon, I'm hitting the defense, defense, defense button, and I want us to lean into that because I think, honestly, I think it'd be the most fun thing we could do, not just for the draft, but what it will cause for this year, man. You know what? I'm I'm going to go offense with my third pick. I I think for I think I was leaning defense with the first two, and I'm going to go a little bit uh, unconventional in terms of how a lot of draft uh, folks are thinking with the Seahawks third pick. I'm going to go running back Kenneth Walker from Michigan State Ooh, okay. for, uh, right. for the Seahawks to take an offensive guy. All the questions around Penny and his injury, all the questions around Chris Carson. If you want a guy who can go out and, and run some dudes over, break some tackles, get Walker. He had 20 broken tackles just against Miami last year. 89 broken tackles on the season for Walker. Uh, I think you go just you lean into this running back style offense. You get your running back this year with the question marks around it and you take the top guy off the board, uh, whether it, whether it's Walker, maybe it's maybe it's Hall. But uh, I think I think for the Seahawks, I think it would be Walker. 
Yeah, there's there's you know some like, well, what do you want? Do you want the pass catcher? Do you want the the guy who just runs? It's also like you know, I kind of feel like if Walker got thrown the ball more often, he's very capable of catching a football and moving with it, uh, you know, in, in a positive way. Just not what he was asked to do. He was asked to mow people over. He's really good at that too, right? So earlier in the draft process, because now Brandon, now we're now we're experts. Now we're experts. Now we've right? done so, it. Congratulations. Listen, got, listen here, you know how the Olympics is, right? You can't be an amateur if you're paid for it. We received a super chat in a draft analysis uh, podcast. Therefore, congratulations, Brandon. We are no longer amateurs in this. We have now graduated from amateur to paid professional. Paid, paid professional. It feels so good. And I think with that, Clinton, there's only one thing left to say. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.